Shut up and sit down. Welcome to another episode of the Super Movie Studies Podcast, a show about comic book movies approached from every angle and a community of nerds discussing how fiction relates to non-fiction. I'm your comic culture host, Michael Maurer, joined by the movie maestro, James Skyler Hutzman, the scientific scholar, Ben Anderson, and the other scientific scholar, Grant Austin, stupendous almost surgeon. I still have to get into medical school. Just... <laughs> Stupendous striving surgeon. That's better. There you go. Striving surgeon. Now, the, now the, you perspective, got the, the three layers of alliteration going. The, as the perspective well, so. pediatrician. Uh, <laughs> the the uh, SMSP is your premier movie <laughs> discussion. Excuse me, I don't interrupt you. SMSP is your premier movie discussion podcast. Every week we continue. I didn't say shit. Okay. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> Every week we continue our journey, exploring our favorite subject, superhero movies. Every fan sees the movies differently, so we gather some amateur experts to discuss certain aspects of the movie. Whether it's comic books, money, goddammit, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Whether it's money, comic books, music, science, or safe driving PSAs, SMSP talks about it all in this week's episode. This is a relic. Some magic is too powerful to sustain, so we imbue objects with it, allowing them to take the strain we cannot. This is the staff of the living tribunal. There are many relics. The wand of a tomb, the vaulting boots of Valtor. Really just roll off the tongue, don't they? <laughs> when do I get my relic? When you're ready. Well, I think I'm ready. You're ready when the relic decides you're ready. For now, conjure a weapon. Because one day, it may. Doctor Strange. And yes, there will most definitely be spoilers. Strange spoilers. No, okay, no. Three. I, I'm. I'm feeling Skyler's look through the telephone. There will be a good strange pun at some point in this episode, but that was not it. Okay, fans, I apologize for not bringing Skyler in through a microphone, <laughs> using the telephone again, and degrading the quality. That's me. I forgot the microphone. So I'm just in on my astral form. <laughs> wow. First opinions. Uh, Ben. Okay. Yeah. Um. So. I was really down on Marvel movies for a while because they all seemed kind of samey and lame. Mm-hmm. Ant-Man, Ultron, Civil War, it was just like kind of dumb. And it was always the same story, just different. Mm-hmm. And then this movie <laughs> completely makes me okay with Marvel making movies again. Because oh. occasionally they'll take a risk, they'll do something bold, and they'll, it'll be clever and great. This movie's really good. Well, why is it clever and great? Why is it clever and great? Um, well, a lot of the movies just end with like 20 minutes of they fight. And okay. this ended with Doctor Strange defeating the villain who was like dumb and Marvel villainy. Sure. But in a way that made sense. 
as opposed to just being weak. And but he he used his he beat the villain by using his powers in a clever way that was set up beforehand. And I was like, that's way much better than <laughs> Iron Man punches Captain America for twenty minutes. Ant Man manages to shrink other Ant Guy. Yeah, I don't. Know, it, it was just it was clever, and I'd never heard of Doctor Strange until this movie, really. And so I was like, hey, this is kind of cool. Magic. It's great. It, it it was Marvel being bold and taking a risk somewhat, and I like that. Popcorn, Micah. Oh, damn! I'm going second. That doesn't happen. Uh, Doctor Strange. I liked it enough. Enough. It still felt like how Ant Man felt. All the fun punches were made. All the stakes were gone. And I mean, the dude can literally turn back time so that no one dies. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? Uh, but turn back time. thank you, Cher. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the the there were uh, there was enough moments that were fun and exciting and different about this film. The entire trip sequence. Mm, good stuff. When he's just like jumping through several different dimensions at once. I'm like, that's exactly what I wanted to see. And I wanted to see you explore at least a little bit. Good shit. Uh, <laughs> the the ending, Dormammu's a hard character to bring to, to life. So good job there. Although calling it the dark dimension and then pretending for people to be like, that's the good side is like, come on. It's called the dark dimension. Who the fuck are you trying to fool? And I have to say my favorite moment of this film and also least favorite moment at the exact same time is when Wong is like, you handled the Eye of Agamotto pretty well. Did you know that that is an Infinity Stone? And in your mind, you're going, groan, Infinity Stones used to be subtle things. (laughs) But in the audience, when watching this film, one dude in the back corner went, lost my shit for the next 20 minutes i couldn't contain it i was literally shoving my face into my chair because i was laughing so hard and the dude audibly gasking whether sincere or comically i do not know either way hilarious one one of the things i appreciate about this movie is aside from that one line all the tie-ins with other marvel movies are pretty subtle mm-hmm. in a way how they used to be Instead of having Falcon show up for no reason to remind <laughs> us that Age of Ultron comes out next month. <laughs> Popcorn Grant. I agree with both of you uh, on some things. Uh, I liked it a lot more than you did, Maurer, I think. Uh, it was my favorite Marvel movie this year. Mm, no, Deadpool. But okay. second to Deadpool. Kind so. of when you broaden the scope of the word Marvel, go ahead. I, I mean, like, from yes. a Marvel publishing, so maybe not MCU, but sure. yeah. So I liked it a lot more than Apocalypse and Civil War. I didn't like Civil War very oh. much. Oh, I so, know that. Yeah. But I liked that what Ben said about Doctor Strange, you know, beating the villain with his intellect more so than, like, his powers, and which makes sense because he's smart. He's a neurosurgeon. Uh, I I also really liked that they brought it back to the Infinity Stones because that's one thing that I really hated about Civil War was that it just had no like role in the grand scheme of the MCU. Like it, it didn't tie back to anything except to introduce a couple new characters. So I enjoyed that it introduced a new character, but also kept it tied into the like broader scope of the MCU. 
And I thought Doctor Strange was an interesting character, not someone like I would expect to get their own movie. But I think they pulled it off really well. So Popcorn Skyler. All right, I'm going to pull a Marvel here and basically cobble together everything we've heard before. I'm going to revisit Ben's point about being down on Marvel movies for like the last two years. And this one being a real breath of fresh air that makes me actually kind of excited to see what they do after this. Uh, I do think it was a pretty familiar in the story department. I mean, you know, arrogant genius gets in an accident, grows goatee, stops, <laughs> learns to be selfless. I think we've heard this story a few times, but um, the turns they did with it, I felt, were pretty fresh, uh, energetic. Obviously, the uh, performances are all awesome. Uh, the visuals are even more awesome. It sets up enough stuff going forward, I think, that... Uh, pretty exciting and some of the doors that can open yes i mean time manipulation is going to be both a blessing and a curse and if you want to keep the stakes but uh this was just one it, it felt like they kind of had that innovation back on their side even if they weren't doing a whole lot new but they did it well a step in the right direction yeah definitely i yeah not a step after... in the ultron direction oh fuck no I, I like where they're going. Side note, I haven't heard about this movie's not going to really fix the villain problem of this whole series, <laughs> but it does a little better. It tries to fix the villain. It's like almost addressing the villain problem. It's like, yeah, the villain's dumb. He's from the dark dimension. What, like, <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> what do you expect? He's a he's a universe defying or devouring demon. Yeah. From the dark dimension. Okay. Uh, We're going to set up a better villain. He, he doesn't need a motivation. <laughs> he doesn't need anything. Uh, someone shared something about like all the similarities between this and Green Lantern. Yeah. And it was kind of scary. It's very, it's very Green Lantern-esque. Yes. Um, Although except- we, we, we now see what Green Lantern could have been if it was uh, you know good. If he didn't throw Parallax into the sun like a fucking moron. Yeah, that's dumb, right? A child wrote that, didn't he? <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to money. Uh, production budget, $165 million. It's about the amount of money that Marvel is shelling out per film that doesn't involve more than one Marvel already established property. <laughs> right. Robert Downey Jr. isn't anywhere near this, so that's another $100 million they didn't Saved. have to spend. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm sure they are thrilled about. It's like, yeah, let's get that Cumberbatch guy and everything we can until he starts asking for more. <laughs> uh, so it's it's on the more conservative side of uh, Marvel these days. Um, as of this recording, it's sitting at 191.7 million. That's about three four weeks after its uh, debut. Uh, foreign, it has 390.5 million for a grand total worldwide of. Five hundred and eighty-two point two million. So, Solid. Like basically every Marvel film, it's bringing in far more on its uh, in its grosses than it did it for its investment. So, yay! All right. What about like how it's doing against all other superhero movies this year? All right. So right now it is the fifth out of the six superhero movies to come out in twenty sixteen. The only one under it being. Um, X-Men Apocalypse at about 544-something. That's both in the U.S. and uh, across the globe at this point. 
but by the time it is out of theaters in, I don't know, let's say January, it will likely be at least number four, maybe even number three. That means they would have to knock off Suicide Squad and uh, Deadpool. Okay. Suicide Squad's looking likely. Deadpool, uh, we'll see. All right, any other movie stats? Yeah, in uh, terms of the uh, Marvel Universe, it has surpassed The Incredible Hulk, Captain America, First Avenger, uh, Ant-Man, and Thor, both domestically and worldwide. It will pull past Iron Man by the time uh, this episode is released, actually, uh, in worldwide regards, and it will likely pass Iron Man 2, Thor The Dark World, maybe The Winter Soldier in worldwide grosses, and Thor 2 and Winter Soldier in terms of U.S. money. People like them strange, I guess. Funny funny how, you know... Oh, Christ, I'm so sorry. <laughs> people go to see good things. <laughs> <laughs> All right, comic book section. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Is it Barry update? It was a Barry update. Uh, he's not super stressed. Okay. He's not thrilled, but okay. he's not stressing. Oh, good. Barry the foster dog. Okay, let's start with... Oh my gosh, I didn't do anything on Wong. How come I didn't write anything about Wong? Oh, that's on me. Because you's a bitch. Okay, I don't have internet in my place right now. All right, so like oh, researching true. is becoming harder. And Like, <laughs> Michael's got shit. <laughs> that he is... Michael got shit. shit. Trying to do everything he can to make this show entertaining. And so I had to cut out two characters, unfortunately... Wong and Doctor Strange to talk about. <laughs> Doctor Strange would have taken me a mountain of books to just sort of like sift through and give you essential information. The dude was made during the 60s as sort of like a a trippy comic book character to create trippy visuals. It's labeled the Blacklight Era because um, <clears throat> of all just the crazy uh, Blacklight drawings sort of set up to just be very mod-esque and all he did was like really into the spirit of the world set up so that's very much how dr strange started and then he just has become like anything that involves magic throw that guy in because of course he's the go-to marvel magic character dodoy so let's talk about um a little bit of wong in his regard in the film uh not he wasn't originally supposed to be in the film by the way but because they whitewashed Ancient One, they were like, the writer was, okay, we got to put Wong in the, we got to put an Asian character in the film. Because we can't just take out the most prominent one. So now you have, you have uh, whitewashing and tokenism. And tokenism. So. But he didn't want Wong in there because Wong in the books is Doctor Strange's Chinese manservant. Brings right. him tea. Yeah, brings him tea. And he's good at fighting, but I mean, there was a lot of years Wong didn't do shit. But be a servant. Uh, and in the movie, the guy who plays Wong, also named Wong, uh, <laughs> is um, really freaking good at the being the fact that, like, nah, he's more of a fighter. He Because he's the, the silent trainer, like a drill sergeant, but, like, doesn't practice. <laughs> um, and the librarian, and smarter than probably everyone else. So let's move on to the first character I actually want to talk about in depth, and that's Caecilius. Premiered in Strange Tales 130, Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, 1965. Uh, simply a disciple of Doctor Strange's main rival, Baron Mordo. Really doesn't have any other 
role in the books at all outside of that. Just being a guy with a name underneath Baron Mordo, made by Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, Strange Tales number 111, 1963. A disciple of the same time as Stephen Strange, Carl Amadeus Mordo, was one of the Ancient One's students working to earn the title of Sorcerer Supreme. Instead of hard work and years of practice, he plotted to kill the Ancient One and steal his power. Strange discovers this and tries to warn old A.O., but Mordo manages to bind him before getting away. The Ancient One is no fool, though. He swoops in, saying he knew the plot the whole time, bandages Mordo from the mountain, and offers his celestial teachings to Strange to become the next Sorcerer Supreme. Now, Mordo is forever pissed and constantly clashes with Doctor Strange, using his adept skills in mesmeration and demon summoning to aid in his nefarious plots, even allying himself with Dormammu, from the dimension of demons in order to destroy his adversaries and become the most powerful sorcerer on earth. The black guy. Yeah. In the movie. In case you're wondering. The black guy. (laughs) (laughs) They were going all over the board. (laughs) They were going all over the board with the cultural throw arounds. And I, I digged it. I have to say you dug it. I digged it. You I I digged it, digged it. Oh, if you can get a, Actor like uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor, you know why the hell not? Why? Oh, you get an actress like Tilda Swinton. Why the hell not? Why the hell not? Uh, next character, Dormammu, Stan Lee, and Steve Ditko. How many times am I going to say this? All the time. Strange Tales, one hundred and twenty-six. Ah, oh, very small period, nineteen sixty-four. Dormammu was originally just a name Stan Lee made up as flavor text for the Doctor Strange world. Baron Mordo mentions him in an offshoot conversation as a nightmare tale that keeps magicians up at night. This piqued the interest of readers, and Stan Lee said, Oh, crap. Looks like I have to make this villain. Because that's how it used to work. They would send in letters, and he's like, Oh, I have to actually answer these letters. Before the internet. Now you just tweet and no one hears it. Yeah, exactly. Dormammu is an interdimensional entity labeled the Faltine. He is rumored to have existed billions of years ago, along with his sister, Umar. They were banished to the Dark Dimension because of their obsession with physical matter. Dormammu merges with the Flames of Regency, which give him physical form as well as his flaming skull shape. While in the Dark Dimension, his lust for conquest begins... And he strikes a deal to meld the Dark Dimension with another that is plagued by these creatures called Mindless Ones. He has the ability to merge dimensions. They wreak havoc on the Dark Dimension, and Dormammu and Umar manage to pen them into a magical barrier. The results of that see him become the supreme ruler of that dimension. Dormammu continues to conquer and meld dimensions into his own until he approaches Earth, and his efforts are always thwarted by the Sorcerer Supreme, whether it be Agamatu, Vishanti, or the Ancient One, and then Doctor Strange, who managed to broker a magical bond that Dormammu could not interfere with Earth. Many loopholes and recontracting later, and Dormammu is still trying to conquer the 616 dimension, which is what Earth's dimension is called in the Marvel Universe, Earth 616, in case you're wondering. Uh, He is immensely powerful, being able to take on celestial beings without any aid, like an Odin spear or a cosmic cube. His magical abilities are literally bar none. 
I just remember some sweet uh, episodes from the Spider-Man cartoon in the 90s where he showed up. <laughs> he is uh, voiced and motion-capped by Benedict Cumberbatch, in case you're wondering. So it's Benedict Cumberbatch oh. versus Benedict he, Cumberbatch in this movie. Yep, because... He is mo but he's voiced by someone else. Oh, he's mixture-voiced. They yeah. melded two voices together. One of them is Benedict's. The other one's an uncredited actor. Oh. Uh, who is labeled as having a deep voice. <laughs> so, Why? Joe DiMaggio. Yeah, exactly. John DiMaggio. Not no. the baseball player. No, no, no. Oh, Joe DiMaggio. misunderstand. <laughs> That's where Joe DiMaggio is now. He's just why, chilling in the dark dimension. Why do, you, why, do you think, why do you think time manipulation was such an important thing in the plot? Along with Babe Ruth. <laughs> so it's so, Garrick. it's so they could get the, you know, the great, the baseball greats from the first half of the 20th century to oh. have uncredited roles in a Marvel movie. <laughs> uh, next character, Christine Palmer, Night Nurse Number 1, created by Gene Thomas and Wynne Mortimer, 1972. One of the three different Night Nurse characters, um, one of which we'd already talked about, was a... Uh, one of them was mixed with the Claire Temple Luke Cage character, hence giving the name Claire Temple but the characteristics of Night Nurse in the television series version of Rosario Dawson's character, Claire Temple. But Christine Palmer, um, in this case, is just a one of the many characters uh, who have the title of Night Nurse that goes around and pretty much assists superheroes at night medically. In this case, they just revamped her character and turned her into a doctor and said, hey... Doctor Strange doesn't really have a female interest that isn't Clea, and Clea is, holy crap, complicated, so we're not even going to bring her into this. Clea is Dormammu's niece, in case you're wondering. Yeah. Think about that for a while. They run into a few roadblocks there. Yeah. So there's not... That That means Dormammu's dad had sex with a human. Kind of. Actually, no. Umar merges with the form of a physical human being. Yeah, versus... that's what I said. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but Umar, Umar is Dormar- Dormammu's sister. sister. Oh, yeah, niece. okay. Yep, got it. Yep. And then she had sex with something and made Clea. Oh. Okay. The, you know, there are people in the dark dimension, in case you're wondering. Oh, really? It's not just like this ethereal nonsense that was made up in the film. It is just a, another dimension that is labeled the dark dimension simply because Dormammu rules it. And he's most powerful there. He does rule a bunch of subjects, and that's how he wants to do it all over the place. All right, now we have Ancient One, premiered in Strange Tales number 110, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, also Doctor Strange's first appearance, uh, born into the ancient magical land of Kamar Taj. This dude, like, knows everything but at the same time serves the plot to die like Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He he thwarts Baron Mordo's plot to like team up with Dormammu and poison him and take his power and then teaches Doctor Strange that you will soon take my place and then sort of sacrifices himself in an instance of some sorts. It really doesn't matter. He, he kind of keeps coming back every once in a while too because he's the ancient one. He can't really die. Um, there's some history behind him actually having immortality. Nothing to do with this, like, taking power from the Dark Dimension nonsense, although I do think it worked better for the film, containing, you know, your plots and not reaching all over the place. Good job. Um, 
But that's all I really have to say about that. And I already talked about Doctor Strange as much as I really should because you should just read some Doctor Strange comics if you're interested. There's so much to go through there. Start with Strange Tales 110 or start with anything by Jim Starlin, I guess. He did a good run. The oath? Yeah, that. Whatever that sound was. <laughs> speaking the of, oath. That's what I said. Oh, speaking of weird sounds, uh, let's go with, to the music section. Sky Guy. Yes! Okay, music for Doctor Strange is done by Michael Giacchino, who I think this is the first time we talked about him. Somehow, we switched this episode out with, or um, we switched the Incredibles out with this episode, so somehow we still land on, we still land on Giacchino somehow. First score of his in the Marvel Universe, somehow, I'm I'm surprised it took this long, uh, but it's not going to be the last since we now know that he has been tapped to score the upcoming Spider-Man Homecoming. And that's just going to be amazing. But first, we have to get to his premier amazingness here. Um, Let's start things off with a hand dealt. like the lonely man it is really though okay so earlier when i said that this movie you know kind of addresses the villain problem doesn't really fix it full scale but you know makes progress towards it the same can be said about the music here it's not gonna completely erase the uh the marvel problem of having kind of bland formulaic scores but it's definitely better than a lot of the stuff that came before all right Um, i want to hear more all right um, next track on the docket is Sanctimonious Sanctum Sacking. <laughs> sacking. <laughs> sacking. Here we go. That's the same thing I always ask on these. What are they saying? To understand, I think you just have to find some strange temple off in a faraway land and study their ways. I 
Because I don't know what to tell you. Why is magic always tied to the harpsichord? I don't know. I don't know if it's just magic or if it's like when someone drops the name, the word sorcerer, it's just like, oh, got to bring the harpsichord in. Because Constantine lead, he, leaned heavily on the harpsichord. The TV show. Right. You don't have to, though. Like Gustav Holt's Planet Suite. Okay. There's the um, Uranus the Mystic. No harpsichord in that. Mm. Uranus. Stop. Uranus. Fine. We'll use we'll use the Greek pronunciation since it's a Greek name anyway. Uranus. There. All right. Are you happy? I well, I mean No, I was happier when it was Uranus. Grant <laughs> 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 is just now realizing what he said <laughs> and what that meant in context. <laughs> <laughs> Make your face a little less red, buddy. Poor Grant. It's fine. That's why we do this on the uh, podcast and not videos. <laughs> uh, one of many strange instrumentations you'll hear. There was a hear. weird combination of instruments on that track. It was. There was like a synthesizer, a harpsichord, and then like chorus. Six-piece choir. Apocalyptic mm-hmm. chorus. Do we have any of that yeah. in the next track, at least? Um, I don't know about the chorus, but we definitely hear that harpsichord come back. Uh, the track is Smote and Mirrors. It uh, takes place during the uh, mirror dimension battle outside the sanctum. Yeah, and there's some craziness going on there. a lot of weird stuff going on it's it's very frantic in a lot of it um not just instrumentation wise but in how the uh action is conveyed it's pretty fresh though. it's pretty fresh it is pretty fresh yeah i will say that it did ha- tracks like that don't lean too heavily on the theme which we're about to mention uh but still come up with their own unique sounds that uh keep you interested oh there's a theme on that note <laughs> Uh, the one thing these MCU scores could use more of is a defined and memorable theme. And that's just what we got, what we got with this movie. Yay. The last track on the docket is Master of the Mystic End Credits, which is in the same vein as, um, you know, at the end of Iron Man 3, they have the kind of wacky version of the theme. You hear it again in a couple of the other Marvel movies. Ant-Man comes to mind where it's... They take the theme and they really genre it up. Mm-hmm. You could tell that with this one, you know, Doctor Strange being from the 60s and so psychedelic, they were like, just just go all out with the psychedelic rock stuff. And thus we have this greatness that we'll hear a clip from.
That's not what the sounded like at all. No. No. <laughs> that was really bad. You What's up? I- you imitate a harpsichord. Bling. Bling, bling, bling. 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 <laughs> Bravo. Yeah. No shout out yeah. for Pink Floyd, though. Yeah, there's something going on there. There's a whole lot of stuff going on there. The uh, the sitars, very George Harrison. You got the harpsichord, uh, psychedelic guitar. Pick, take your pick from the late '60s. There, um, the really glissando strings there, straight out of I Am the Walrus. It's so genre. Yeah, it works. It. It's pretty good. It is. You just roll with your roots Very trippy. sometimes. You know, one makes you larger, one makes you small. <laughs> oh, and the ones bounce, that your mother bounce, give you bounce, don't bounce, give you anything at all. Okay. Also, there's the one scene when they actually played a Pink Floyd song on vinyl, and I was like, that's pretty dope. Which scene was that? I also thought that was pretty dope. It was when Doctor Strange was looking at his collection of like fifty watches, and he's listening to Interstellar Overdrive by Pink Floyd oh, okay. from their first album, Piper at the Gates of Dawn, nineteen sixty-seven, eight, nine. <laughs> All right, it's well, one of those. Any of those three, we'll give it to you within one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. appreciate that too, yeah. since that's what he does while he's in surgery is just rattle off names of songs and when they came out. So. Do you listen to Huey Lewis in the news? <laughs> <laughs> he has a pretty dope music taste, I will say that. Any other music? I don't have any more clips, but I will say that this is probably top three favorite Marvel scores. Uh, check out some of the more of the tracks to hear, you know, nutty instrumentation. But didn't play any of the really strange, ethereal ones from when he's, like, going through the different dimensions because, you know... Just explore those on your own, but uh, that last track is such a killer. (laughs) (laughs) All right, which means it's time for science. Science. Oh, we've got two science guys here. Mm. I'll start because my my segment is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure? Yeah, and there's not a whole lot with this movie because it's magic. It is magic. All right, but let's start with Ben. We can we can talk about some multiple dimensions. Yeah, they explore that pretty heavily. They lay that down. Like, this is mirror dimension, dark dimension. This is the dimension of weird shit, I guess. We're yeah. just going to float right through this one. Don't look. <laughs> Don't look. <laughs> this, is, this is the dimension of naked pictures of your sister. <laughs> Don't look. <laughs> like, just... Close your eyes, Marion. Don't look. Oh, that's good. <laughs> um, so, so the multiverse is a universe of universes, of which ours is one. <laughs> and there's others. Sure. And in theory, the theory is that there's a you know infinite number of universes, and they're all different. Is that the theory? Is that that's it? the theory. Um, the evidence for it. <laughs> there is none. <laughs> none at all. No, like <laughs> just a fun sci-fi idea. Physicists like go through, well, it's a convenient way to explain like why is there life? Why are the conditions for life so perfect in this universe? And it's like, well, because ours is one of the universes where life can form, so it formed here. Yeah, okay. Um but if you try to look for evidence of other universes, the problem is universe is everything. Yep. So if we can find evidence of another universe in ours, 
that's in our universe. Mm, so paradox. Yeah, it's kind of a catch twenty two. It's like I, can can our universe can our universe interact with others, and can we be interacted with by others? Some people say yes, and I'm like, no. <laughs> like, come on. I did read some crazy shit recently, but it was like in a like. I fucking love science articles. So it was like, not, oh, yeah, it wasn't like a, it was a clickbaity type. Well, it, it wasn't, it had a link to an actual paper, but Did I was you like read the actual paper. No, cause oh. I wasn't going to understand it. It's mm. fucking theoretical physics, mm. but it was, um, I did like skim the abstract, but it was like talking about how some cosmologists had found some evidence for other universes because there's like a theory that if our universe like bumped into another one it would leave quote unquote a bruise on ours that would be yeah, visible so, which was kind of weird to me I was like whoa that's crazy yeah so they have like these space telescopes that can scan the whole sky for different things um, One, I have, I have the name of one pulled up here let me look it up the Wilkinson Microwave Anisotropy Probe W map um, <laughs> maps the whole sky for different data, um, and people dig through that to look for you know ripples, ripples mm. in gravity from other universes or whatever, yeah, or like or like changes of, in the cosmic um, microwave yeah. background, and that's what and they're. You know that your description or your regiment stance on how multiverses don't exist because they would be in our universe is metaphorically aligned with Bear Mordo stance on how magic can be used. Yeah. Did you did you catch that at all no. in what you're talking about? No, I have not caught that yet. Or <laughs> cuz Bear yeah, in the movie, Bear Mordo's like, "No, we are set by a regiment set of rules, and if we break those rules, then everything's gone to shit. Nothing fucking like you nothing makes sense in that case." Oh. Get what I mean? Yeah. And then Doctor Strange is like, no, it still makes sense. You just have to sort of adapt and like learn that this is okay. And yeah. Bernardo's like, nope, I'm going to take all the magic out of the fucking world. Can't deal with it because this is bullshit. I don't see how that is relevant. Whatever. I thought it was lining up. Plus, in like alternate universes, they might just have different laws of physics. Yeah. Because there's no way to predict how their physics works. Why, why is Why is the gravitational constant what it is? Yeah. There's, like, no reason for it. Mm-hmm. Nine, negative nine point whatever. Mm, that's the acceler- That's acceleration due to gravity on the okay, surface Earth. of Earth near sea level. Okay. Um, but, like, when you have, like, the equation that's, like, it's the mass times the other mass divided by radius. There's okay. A there's G a constant, constant out front yeah. to make it all scale nicely so it has the right units. There's no reason that has to be what it is. It's the same thing with, like... Plunk's constant. Or, or, or the speed of light. Yeah. Like, it just happens to work out. <laughs> well, there, there's no there's no reason that we couldn't have a universe. We could imagine a universe where those are different. and So magic. Their laws of physics would be different. So the origin of science is magic. No. No. Come on. Get out. Come on. Open up your brains, gentlemen. Look into a new world. A different we, dimension, we if you would. The only thing I'm opening up is my mouth so I can drink a beer to forget. Oh, for fuck's sake. No, we're on to his... We're on, we're on to Grant. Hi, Grant. Hi, Ben. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fabulous. That's good. Feel good. Ben, you want to lead? So, Grant, tell us. <laughs> you are 
in medical school or soon to be. Hopefully. So you, you've spent some time thinking about trauma. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. So, so tell me the, uh, the car accident one was ridiculous. Yeah, it was totally. Because if you have, if you have time to formulate, think the thought, say to your neighbor, wow, this is going on for a really long time. Even in slow-mo, you're and just then, like, wow, this is really And then it keeps going on. for a couple seconds. That's too long. <laughs> but, but, if you really want to drive it home, then it was so, horrific. If, if, well, if, and then, like, all that horror and he broke his hands. Are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> There's nothing else wrong with him? Yeah, right. yeah. Like, like, so what, if I drove my car off a cliff at 90 miles an hour, what, how would I, what would, what would you expect to happen to me? So just let me get out my list here of all these things that would happen to you. So first, <laughs> I don't actually have one, oh. but it's, it's pretty, I was ex- going to pretend you did. It's I was going to pretty extensive. All right. So first of all, um, you know, going into the seatbelt that hard, you know, going that fast, a lot of broken ribs, probably at the very least some major bruising. Sure. But probably the way Recoverable. His, his car crash was, was broken ribs, which then puts you at risk of punctured lungs, which is really bad. Uh, so if he wasn't found really quickly, a punctured lung can be pretty fatal because you can't breathe without Obviously. lungs. Yeah, pretty pretty standard stuff. Um, Wait, what? <laughs> I know, right? Mind-blowing. Uh, if, you, if your lung's leaking, it can't hold air? <laughs> speak, speaking of his mind and his brain, the whiplash would have definitely given him a severe concussion, which was very bad. But on top of that... If you have severe enough whiplash, this is pretty common in car accidents that are really bad or any, like, plane, train accidents, whatever. Um, If you have bad enough whiplash, you can sever your pituitary stock from your pituitary gland and basically fuck up your entire hormone system because the pituitary gland pretty much controls everything in your body hormone-wise. So it would just all go to shit really quick. Um, which is bad. Yeah. So don't want to mess with the endocrine system. Yeah, because it controls everything from your heart rate to how you filter urine in your kidneys, how well your liver works. Um, your ability to sustain an erection. Yeah. 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 That would be mm. fucking. That's the worst, man. <laughs> that's the worst part of it. Pretty much the only thing you still could control would be your blood volume so you might not have high blood pressure so <laughs> win right there <laughs> worth it all right so that that's all pretty major um on top of that just the way that his car flipped over itself like <laughs> you would think vertical his, stomp vertical stomp you would think his stomp. car would be a lot more crushed which would mean a lot more shrapnel going around sure things puncturing his body and then to top it all off, his car catches fire at the end. So he's just chilling there in a, a burning car, completely unconscious. So that sucks. Probably would not survive that unless somebody found him immediately, which they don't show anybody finding him. But the way he flew like off a cliff into a fairly deserted area, you have to think, who the fuck is going to find him that fast? The person that the, the he hit a car, he hit someone. They stopped yeah, and called. But either way, you know, average response time in New York is not very good. <laughs> I thought it was in I LA. Mean, no, no it's he's in, New, in New, York. New York. He's in New York. Yeah. Was he in New York? Yeah. 
He was driving yeah. along a cliff. I There's know. There's no cliffs in New York was, City. <laughs> I know, but he was outside the city. But still, like, even then, you're out in the middle of nowhere, so the average response time isn't that great either for an EMT. Plus, you know, EMTs go through, like, three months of training. So, <laughs> whoa. Uh, not to, like, shit on EMTs or anything because they're very important mm-hmm. and very good at their jobs, but... For his type of injuries, I'm okay. not really sure what they're going to do. <laughs> other than be like, all right. They're going to look at him and be like, well, he's dead. Or, or maybe <laughs> he would be. Or, yeah, there's that. And even if he wasn't, they'd probably be like, well, I guess we can just like shoot him up with morphine or something and make this easier on him. But there's like nothing they were going to be able to do. Here, to have some him. narcotics. Maybe we'll call a helicopter. <laughs> but... Grab him by the hand. Aside from that, so assuming <laughs> assuming the car crash was not as big a bullshit as it was. <laughs> Quick, <and> check his pulse. <laughs> assuming the car crash wasn't that much bullshit. Like, maybe they changed that scene so it's a more reasonable car crash and his hands still get crushed. Like, that's still, that part was pretty, like, reasonable. The type of rehab he would have to go through and the repairs that he would have to do on his hands. Because there's a lot of fragile parts in your hand and a lot of nerves you have three major nerves going into your just three hand well i mean so like major ones like when you talk about nerves you don't have like that many like big nerve bundles that go to different parts of your body and then they just branch off so you have like millions of neurons billions of neurons going everywhere giving you sensation but they all converge onto major nerves that go back to the spinal cord okay so it's like i only have like however many veins but then yeah. there's the capillaries that yeah, do all the you have work. Like millions of capillaries throughout your body mm-hmm. to give blood okay. to all your cells. But to give you an idea, you have like one major nerve that goes to your heart because the heart kind of just controls itself and it doesn't need to sense anything. You have three going to your hand because you have a lot of sensation in your hand. Like it, the sensory homunculus in your brain. So that's a map of how big um, areas of your brain are that are dedicated to sensing thing, your hand is the biggest on your brain. So, oh. And oh. then your tongue is like the second biggest, interestingly. Um, so <laughs> yeah, there are... it feels good when I lick my hands. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, ha- so, having your, so having a car smash your hand, like that would, would... There would be so much nerve damage and like the bones are really small and pretty fragile because they, they can't be big and bulky because then you wouldn't be able to have the dexterity that you do. And you have lots sure. of fine muscles. Um, so there would be lots of nerve damage, which if there's nerve damage, then typically your muscles atrophy. So they get really weak. And then that's why he would have to go through all that rehab that he had to do. Um, all right. So that would be a career ending injury. For a surgeon? Oh, yeah. That would, <laughs> You're done. Um, You'd be a surgeon consultant. You know, he even he even said, like, he could have done better. No. Like, <laughs> he may be a little bit better, but that person was still going to have some major issues with their hands. And, like, I think they said 18 pins in his hands, which doesn't sound like a lot, but you really don't have, like, that Much many room. bones in your hand that would be reasonable to replace with a pin because most of them, they're so small that you just like kind of realign them and put a splint on and hope that it heals properly. Or just remove them. I'm pretty sure most people aren't okay with that. <laughs> just have jelly uh, hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stop doing it. Stop doing that in the studio. <laughs> Waving your hands around like I'm an idiot. <laughs> so yeah, his uh, his career would have definitely been over as a neurosurgeon. But you know, someone with his 
you know, intelligence and he has a photographic memory. There's no reason he couldn't have just switched to being a neurologist. Like, I don't see why he's so butthurt about like, not <laughs> being able to do surgery anymore. He could definitely still have a really lucrative career as a neurologist. Yeah. So arrogant fuck. Yeah. <laughs> or, or a radiologist. Well, let's take a look at this. Yep, yeah. That's fucked up. Yep. There's a bullet in that man's head. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and and I think this is gonna be the last thing. But that scene where they pull the bullet out of that dude's head was that actually as cool as it like was that actually as big a deal as it looked? Yeah. So like the the thing with the guy who had a bullet in his head. So everybody's pronouncing him brain dead because um, the lead poisoning. Well, is antimony they said, which is just another heavy metal. You can get metal poisoning from anything. Sure. But um, yeah, that was causing his heart rate to slow right down and his brain function to like not show up very well on like an EEG I, I wasn't paying that much attention to that but that's kind of the gist of what I got so that would make him seem dead and so they were like no he's not dead he's fine we just need to pull this bullet out and then he'll be fine because he won't have the heavy metal poisoning anymore we'll just throw a chelating agent in but like the actual mm-hmm. surgery scene I thought wow that was pretty accurate to something that I've seen so uh, some shadowing I did, it wasn't a trauma with a bullet injury, but it was a, a broken elbow. And they did kind of the same thing. They were doing a live imaging surgery. So you saw them, they were kind of wearing like lead vests and stuff. So they were they had an, an x-ray machine. They were taking images over and over again of the guy's head to see where the bullet was and pull it out. And there was the same thing I saw it in the elbow repair. They kept doing images to make sure everything was put in right so they could do it minimally invasive. And so... Yeah, that was pretty reasonable as far as I saw. And then, you know, they were talking about how he should wait for them to get, like, most of the imaging stuff set up and do it correctly. But most doctors are trained really well, and someone of his caliber should be able to do that without the imaging because the imaging is kind of a luxury. You don't always have that. So there's no reason he couldn't do it by hand. But then also someone like that who was so worried about his record because he made that comment later in the car that he was worried about his perfect record being broken. I don't think he would have gone forward. I think he would have actually waited so that like his story doesn't really work out. But the actual <laughs> the actual surgery thing I thought was uh, pretty scientifically accurate as far as so they, so they were all like, oh, no, you can't. It's too dangerous. And he was like, whatever. Like, well, <laughs> that's, so, that's something that a competent surgeon would be able to do you would, the you would hope, the hospital like and Ish. the the thing <laughs> you would hope they they were really worried because it's in his like spinal cord right and you know if he fucks up that's a life ending injury a lot of times so you know nobody's going to risk that but at the same time there's no reason he couldn't do it it would just be significantly riskier mm-hmm. much more likely to fuck up and kill someone <laughs> fucking surgeons i guess we have uh extended a fair amount of time uh to the science which is good because this was fun i dig this so we're gonna breeze past uh guest guests i'm sorry not guests uh fun facts and drinking game rules um twitter challenge send us your drinking game rules yeah okay yeah okay um that'll wrap it up today super fan super movie studies is recorded and produced uh by 
us. <laughs> by us here. By us here. By I, us cool guys. I'm, I'm just mostly I, Michael. I might just say Trap Cop Productions just to keep things pr- consistent, even though that name has nothing to do with anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, what does have something to do with something else is the fact that you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Indeed, we would appreciate it a lot if you went over to your iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. I do it through another app, um, but it works. Stitcher. And, uh, Google Play. Yeah, Stitcher, Google Play, CastBox. <laughs> there are literally hundreds of them. Yeah, we're, we're on all the major podcasting whatevers. Mm-hmm. Um, so subscribe, download our shit, listen to our shit. If you can tell find your a, friends about our shit. Tell your friends about our shit. Share our shit. Um, <laughs> and and if you if you like our shit enough, um, let us know by going to wherever you get your podcast and giving us whatever rating you deem appropriate. Thank you, for that. Bubba Wheat, for the most recent rating. Yes. Five stars. Beautiful. Nice. Also, tweet about our shit. We're on Twitter. At Super M Studies. You know the challenge for this week. Let us know your Dr. Strange drinking game rules. And yes. we can potentially read them on next week's show, which would be great. What was last week's challenge? Strange brew. What the fuck did we talk about last week? Hulk? Uh, yeah. Yeah, last oh. week was Hulk. No Twitter responses for Hulk. That's okay. You won't. Not that I saw anyway. I, I tweeted something, but it was while we were recording. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, that's uh, going to wrap it up today. Um, the backlog of episodes are still available at superheromovieclub.podbean.com if you want to watch or listen to more than the last 75 because we've made 92 of these wow right what right we're, exciting we're, we need to plan something special for the 100th one yeah for the 102 we're year our 100th 100 year anniversary our centennial our centennial <laughs> uh, that's gonna do it today I'm your host Michael Maurer Ben and Grant Austin. And I hope you have a super week. All right, I'll let you have that one. Yay. Bye. 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 Grant says bye, too. No, I don't. <laughs>